Hello and welcome to Meeting Room 7. This is the fourth podcast in the series from the Steams and Bolton IP team, in which we're considering patent and know-how licensing with a life sciences focus. I'm Charlie Tillett. I'm a partner in the IP team and head of the life sciences team here at Steams and Bolton. For this episode, I'm again joined by two brilliant colleagues on our IP team. Tom Collins, senior associate, is back with us again. Hey. And we also have Joe Adcock, who is an associate in our team. Hello. Our previous podcasts have covered issues such as defining the scope of the deal, maintaining control of IP whilst allowing a licensee the commercial freedom it needs, and then payment terms and common pitfalls. In this, our fourth episode, we consider termination. Now, this is not always the easiest area to discuss at the outset of a new and hopefully exciting commercial relationship with probably some, hopefully some common goals in mind. And it's typical for us lawyers to come along and bring bring some doom and gloom to the party. But having said that, the parties do need to give some consideration to what will happen if things don't work out. Hopefully they will work smoothly and go largely to plan, uh, as is probably the position in perhaps the majority of agreements. However, it's much better, of course, to anticipate and prepare and plan for these circumstances that may arise so that when it gets close to the time and these things do happen, there's a clearer and hopefully less contentious and less expensive way to deal with them when it comes to it. Continue our theme of looking at these issues from both sides of the table. Tom is going to speak from the perspective of a licensor and Joe will speak from the licensee's perspective. So, Tom, speaking for the licensor, when would you expect the license to end in the normal course of events? I think the starting point will always be when the patents that are being licensed have all expired, because from the licensor's point of view, you want to maximise the exploitation of those patents whilst whilst they remain in force. So, ideally, you'd want to be pushing to make sure that the license continues at the very least until all of those patents have expired, which is normally by reference to the last valid claim that has expired under all of those licensed patents. But as is often the case, it may not just be a patent license and there may be know-how that's licensed in in conjunction with those patents, in which case it's common for the license to extend to cover the use of that know-how, which may well continue beyond the life of the patents when, when you're talking about trade secret type information. So for that reason, you would you would tie the rights to continue using that know-how at the very least until it remains secret and substantial and continues to be a licensable asset. Great, thank you. And Joe, what might the licensee want to see here? From a licensee's perspective, um, they may require the right to terminate the license for convenience, um, so for any reason. This is especially the case if the licensee is responsible for a, the development of a particular project. Uh, it may may not be practical to continue for either an operational reason to do with the licensee, or it might be that clinical trials haven't given the hoped for results, so the project itself hasn't been successful. Uh, in these sorts of circumstances, it's not generally going to be good for either party to force the licensee to continue that's not going to be good for the commercial relationship another thing that the licensee might consider is requesting a set term for the license agreement to continue for if for example if a project is set to run for a particular number of years 
that might be something else to consider. Okay, thanks, Joe. And back to you, Tom. If things weren't going the way that the parties had hoped, which could, of course, be for a variety of different reasons, what rights would the licensor expect um, them to have to give them the ability to terminate the license early? I think at the very least, there would be typical termination rights that would apply to almost all forms of technology license agreements, such as a failure to remedy a material breach. And that may well be breaches that cannot be remedied at all, which might fall into categories of things that once a breach has been made, essentially there's no way back from that, in which case you should have an immediate right to terminate or as is commonly the case, a period where you can notify someone of a breach and there's a specific time period in which they, they have an ability to cure that before the licensor can then terminate. So you give them a, a last chance saloon, so to speak. Um, and the kind of material breaches that you'd be thinking about from the licensor's perspective would be misuse of confidential information, failure to pay uh, milestone payments or royalties, and those sorts of things would be the kind of rights you'd be thinking about exercising that for. And as is commonly the case, you may also have rights to terminate on insolvency type events subject to the applicable laws that might be in play. Um, but when you're expecting licensing revenue to be paid by a licensee, naturally its ability to continue its financial obligations will be of major concern to a licensor. So that might be something to be considering as well. Sure, thanks very much, Tom. And Joe, of course, the licensee is going to be looking for some provisions to protect its position and make sure it's not all one-sided in favour of the licensor. So what would the licensee be hoping for here? So the licensee might want to try and define what is a material breach. And this might mean actually going wider than the usual meaning of, of this term. The licensee should also consider carefully the actual situations which might amount to a material breach and give them the right to terminate. So that there's some certainty for the licensee as to those circumstances. May also want to make the ability to terminate on material breach mutual. However, the licensee needs to consider that the termination might not always be in their best interest. So if they are carrying out a project and the licensor fails to give materials that are due under the contract or fails to give assistance that it is promised, it's not always going to be the most practical solution to terminate the license. The licensee is going to want to carry on with their project. So it might be that making a claim is one of the options, but you'll need to consider this on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, moving on to the point about insolvency that Tom made, um, you could try to argue that the rights pass to licensee, but that's unlikely to work. The insolvency practitioner on insolvency will do their best in the circumstances, but the licensee is likely just to be listed as a as a creditor. So that's something to also consider carefully. Licensee will likely also want to be able to terminate the license if any know-how seeps into the public domain, because the licensee will not want to have to pay for something that's freely available to its competitors. And again, terminating the license if all patent claims cease to be valid. Even if um, no royalties are payable once those patents expire, there may be other obligations under the license 
that continue following expiration of patents that might not be in the best interests of licensee for those to continue. Okay, thank you. So, Tom, coming back to you, aside from the usual term of the agreement, as it were, and any early termination rights that the parties might look for in a patent license, what other termination provisions will the license will be looking for? Change of control is is often an issue that, that might come up if you're thinking about it from the licensor's perspective and at least wanting the ability to terminate in that situation, even if you may not always exercise that right, having the discretion to do that is something you want to be thinking about. And, and that's because you may not know who is going to come in and acquire the licensee. And it may be that might be a competitor or another entity where there are bad commercial relations or for whatever reason, there may be concerns about the party that takes over control of the, the original licensee. So the relationship between those parties that was there at the outset may fundamentally change following that change of control. So that might be something you'd, you'd want to try and push for at the very least, um, even if it can sometimes have its difficulties when it comes to negotiating that into a license. A kind of a related point to that is thinking about what happens with affiliates and group companies and what might happen following termination when those other parties are involved as well and whether potentially rights continue um, as regards rights granted to affiliates and, and sub-licensees or not. But, but that's something we'll, we'll come back to a little bit later. Great, thank you. And Joe, from your perspective, what about the licensees thoughts here? So from a licensee's perspective, picking up on the change of control provisions, specifically as mentioned by Tom, uh, licensee is likely to be reluctant to accept these sorts of restrictions. Um, it's going to want the ability to sell its business without losing the license. And in fact, the licensor might not be well served by such restrictions if it means missing out on an opportunity for expansion of the licensee. Change of control clause is also likely to be a massive red flag for any investor or lender in the licensee. And in any event, the licensor arguably continues to have the comfort that even after a change in control, the contractual protections relating to confidentiality and restrictions on use of IP will continue to apply. Yeah, that's right. And what about the position then in relation to validity of the rights here? Tom, from a license source perspective, what's it, what's it going to be having in mind? The license source may well wish to include a right to terminate the license if there is a situation where the licensee challenges the validity of the patents or the confidential nature of the license know-how. And often the licensee may be well in the best position to challenge those patents if, if it has an intimate knowledge of the technology that is being used under the license. So there's always an area of sensitivity about that. But whenever you're thinking about these termination rights, it's also important to think about competition considerations. And there are restrictions on when these types of provisions can and cannot be included in license agreements. So that's obviously something that will need to be considered on a case-by-case -case basis. But as a general observation, having an outright no challenge clause whatsoever on the patents is likely to be unenforceable. But for example, if there's an exclusive license, it can be acceptable to have a provision which grants the licensor an ability to terminate that license where there's been a challenge to the validity of the patents. And that then can put some pressure on the licensee as well. But on the other hand, if you're including that kind of provision in a non-exclusive license, then 
that's when competition issues may may come into play and you need to give that some very careful thought. In addition to challenging the patents, which where there are perhaps kind of more robust restrictions, the ability to challenge the license know-how is a slightly distinct topic and it, it is possible to have clauses which restrict the ability to challenge that know-how, which don't necessarily get caught by the same restrictions as when it comes to the patents. Thank you. And Joe, licensee's thoughts here? I think licensee is likely to simply argue that a no-challenge clause in relation to the patents is anti-competitive. I think that's the only thing I can really add there. Great. Thank you. Thanks both for those thoughts. So we've considered the rights of termination that each party might want to see in the agreement. And thinking now about some more detail, what practical points are likely to arise on termination and how will we deal with these? Coming to you first, Tom, from the license force perspective. Yes. So the standard consideration here is wanting the licensee to return or destroy any materials that have been provided under that license. That's always going to be your main consideration to make sure particularly that any confidential information and packages of know-how or even tangible materials are either destroyed or returned to make sure that there's no ongoing risk of those being misused once that license relationship comes to an end. And often you might want to have an actual certification that that obligation has been carried out rather than just leaving it into the hands of the licensee to, to make sure they do it and actually putting a positive obligation on them to, to certify that to, to the licensor. It's also important to, to give consideration to what provisions in the license might continue even after that agreement is terminated or, or expired in certain circumstances, such as confidentiality, liabilities and audit provisions, things like that, that even once that license agreement gets terminated, you, you do need to think about whether some of those provisions should nevertheless remain in force to make sure that that protection will continue to the extent that it's, need, that it's needed beyond the life of the agreement. I think um, another thing is it can, despite a license relationship coming to an end and wanting to draw a line under that relationship, it may well actually be in the mutual interest of the parties to grant some kind of transition period to allow selling off of, of stock or products because from the licensor's point of view, as long as it continues to get paid for that, then even though the relationship may have turned sour, there is still at least some value to be had in allowing them to continue doing that rather than perhaps wasting products, particularly when it comes to clinical materials and things like that. There are, there are obviously ethical considerations with that, not notwithstanding the financial side of it. It's to everyone's in, in everyone's interest, isn't it, to the ultimate consumer or patient here and and both the licensee and licensor. So, yeah, absolutely. Exactly that. And, I mean, you can sometimes restrict these rights. Like, for example, if termination was due to a particular reason, for example, breach of confidentiality, then there may well be more reason to restrict any further rights if you're really concerned that that, that could result in further misuse. But as a general point, that, that's something you want to be thinking about. Um, so yeah, I think I think those are probably the primary practical points you'd be thinking about from the licensor's point of view. Thanks. Well, I think from the licensee's perspective, as you mentioned, the, the sell-off period for any product is going to be important for both both parties. I think another question that arises for the licensee is whether it should be obliged to return any information or materials if the agreement is being terminated for a breach committed by the licensor itself. That's just something to, to consider, really. Another thing to consider is sub-licensees. Um, so a licensee may have granted further sub-licenses and it's not always going to be the most practical thing for those sub-licenses to come to an end. 
So you may request that sub-licensees are granted a direct license by the licensor so that there's no need to unwind all of those pre-existing arrangements. Well, that's right, Joe. Thanks very much. And picking up on both those points, the um, point about destruction of materials and information is, is quite often one which ends up in a fair amount of negotiation as to what level particularly information that's held electronically has to be destroyed and where computer systems will automatically save a backup copy of, inf of information, how, how far the licensee needs to go to um, comply with its obligations of, dest of destruction. So we do see that more often than you might think. Um, and again, as you said, in relation to the sub-licensees, sometimes there can be quite a complex network of sub-licenses uh, supporting the licensees' work or allowing the sub-licensees to go ahead um, and continue with, with their own rights without necessarily linking in with the licensee. And so, as you've said, the licensee quite often looking for protection for those sub-licensees to allow, allow that to continue, which coming back to it, it's probably in everyone's interest in some cases that that does happen. Well, thank you very much. And that brings us to the end of this podcast episode. So thank you to the team, to Joe and to Tom for joining me. And thank you for listening. Please do join us next time when we're going to have a look at provisions which are key to disputes and where things unfortunately have gone wrong between the parties. So we'll consider enforcement, dispute resolution mechanisms and jurisdiction. Those clauses towards the end of the agreement that hope you hope you'll never have to rely on and yet you need them to be right in case you do. So until next time, thanks very much. Mm -hmm.